Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. to the Managing Madrid Podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. It's a bonus Thursday edition. April 5th, uh, we have some Europa League games today, which, uh, which um, if, if, you're, if you're listening to this and in your Atletico fan, you'll probably be uh, listening to this sometime after you guys play against Sporting. But joining me to preview the Derby, which is, by the way, it's happening this weekend. We all forgot about it. Is Jeremy Baron of Into the Calderon? Jeremy, how are you doing? Good, Kian. How you doing? It's uh, it's been a long time, and I gotta say, I really miss just chatting football with you. Yeah, I, I did too, man. This is uh, this is good. I'm glad we're doing this. Um, last time I talked to you, actually, no, I, we were talking about this off air, but I just it just dawned on me. Actually, the last time I did a podcast with you was earlier this season. It was for, I was yeah. just thinking that it was ahead of the last derby. And the last time I spoke to you, that was a dark period for both of us, but probably a bit darker for Atleti, right? Yeah, considering all the, the off-field stuff that Atleti were dealing with then, particularly the registration ban. Yeah, at, at that time, things were probably a little darker for, for Atletico. But also, the, the eye test wasn't that... You guys were getting results, but it wasn't... You didn't look that good on the pitch. Um to me, I, you've come a long way since then, like if and especially since the Diego Costa signing and uh, when he came, Vitola has been been okay when he's played, but to me, the biggest impact like Diego Costa and it's not just his goals and the offensive presence he brings. Um, like you, you look at the numbers and Atleti's offense is clearly better, like even statistically since he's arrived when with him on the field, but it it just seems to me he brought back this swagger and. And something in your step that you were missing beforehand, and and everything that Diego Simeone kind of like what we were talking about, he kind of lost his touch. And does he still have the same ability to motivate his players and all this? Diego Costa seemed to bring a bit of that back. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, right now, Costa has more yellow cards in La Liga than he has goals, uh, but that that doesn't tell the whole story of just how much his return has meant to, to Atleti. Uh, he's brought back, as you said, that attitude, that fight. Atletico are scoring at a rate not seen since the 2013-14 season when they won La Liga. Uh, they're averaging about two and a half goals a game, maybe a little less uh, since Costa started playing again in January. Uh, most importantly, it's opened up all this space for Griezmann, for, for Antoine Griezmann, who has been pretty much in the best form of his career uh, since Costa returned. Uh, he's at 16 goals and six assists in his last 18 games across uh, La Liga, Europa League, and the Copa del Rey. 
uh, that's no coincidence because Costa has opened up all this space for him, occupying center back's attention, uh, getting in opposition players' faces. I remember uh, when Atletico played Celta a few weeks ago, a 3-0 win at home. Uh, Sergi Gomez accidentally stamped on Costa's foot early in the second half, and Costa was literally about to run past the halfway line and go and tackle him. Uh, so that that's the kind of attitude and the kind of fight that and the kind of spirit that Costa has, has brought back to an Atletico team that really needed it, that seemed, or especially earlier this season, like it was just going through the motions, waiting for January 1st to roll around. And it did, and Atletico, you know, they're, they're out of the race for La Liga, but uh, still the favorites in Europa League and could still finish second, and that would be a good season. What is... um. <clears throat> What is what is the Europa League experience like? Something that I just have never witnessed as <laughs> as as a fan of Real Madrid. Although, like you know, before I was born, they've been in that competition when it was the UEFA Cup. Yeah. What is? Do you care about it? Do you do you get excited for it? Do you are you just kind of look at it as something extra to cover that you just don't really want to cover? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, obviously, we have to cover it at Calderon, but it, it's it's still exciting. Uh, especially now that Atletico are in the quarterfinals against a, a pretty talented uh, sporting team. That should be a pretty interesting tie. Uh, it's it's a different experience. The atmosphere is different. You know, it's it's a kind of a surreal experience playing in, in Copenhagen on a Thursday night than it is going to, say, Munich on a Tuesday night. It's it's a very different atmosphere and a very different experience. It's, it's kind of fun, but... You, you do miss the Champions League. You do miss that huge night, like like what Liverpool lived at Anfield uh, last night. You know, you, you miss those kinds of atmospheres, and you miss welcoming those kinds of teams into into your stadium or going to visit those kinds of teams. So it, it's I wouldn't necessarily say fun because Atletico have barely broken a sweat so far in it, uh, but it it's been interesting. It's been unique, but I miss the Champions League. Do you want to know what I think about the Europa League? Every, every morning I wake up, the, one of the first things I do, like even before I get out of bed or anything, I check to see what today's schedule is in terms of like what games there are. And, um, and I kind of just plan my day around that. And if there's like an annoying La Liga Friday, Monday game, which I hate unless Betis is playing, um, or if like there's an international break, or there's some some games like, I got to just completely forgot about. I always check to be sure. And when there's Europa League games, I'm just like, man, I do I have to? Like I really feel like it's like it's like labored, and I feel like if I don't watch it, I should I should watch it because there might be something going on. But it always disappoints me. I there's exception, exceptions to this rule. Like we go back to like those really fun games for you know Celta last season in the semifinal against against Manchester United. I'll be honest. I the only the only matchup I was like, oh, this might be cool was the Milan and Arsenal game, which com- just turned out to be complete duds over the course mm-hmm. of two legs, and Milan was just really disappointing. Having said that, <clears throat> Atletico against Sporting might actually be interesting because Sporting were a Champions League team. They're not they're not bad. They're kind of underperforming by their standards this season. But is this one you can at least get up for? Yeah, yeah, there's there's some excitement about this one because this, this sporting team has quite a bit of talent on it. Uh, Bastos has been scoring a ton of goals in the Portuguese league. Uh, Gelson Martins is the kind of pacey uh, wing threat from the wing that can trouble Atletico. 
Uh, he'll be going up against Lucas Hernandez, though, so I think Lucas will be able to do a, a, do a decent job on him. Uh, I think defensively they're, they're a little soft, but they have Bruno Fernandez in midfield. He's He's been very good this season. Rui Patricio is a very experienced goalkeeper. It, it'll be a challenge. By far the best team Atletico have played in the Europa League this season, and honestly probably behind... Well, Roma, obviously, are in the quarterfinal, but behind the Chelsea team of earlier this season, probably the best team that let go played in Europe this year. Yeah. So it, it, it'll be a challenge, for sure. So beyond this, if you get if you get beyond this stage, who are the ones... It kind of gets interesting after this, because then you have Arsenal. Yeah, this is when the Europa League gets fun, because you have Arsenal, uh, you know, could have Lazio, could have one of the Red Bull teams, like yeah. Leipzig would be pretty fun. So. Yeah. This Europa League actually gets good to watch. Is around the quarterfinals because the round of 32, there's just so many teams and so many matchups and so much, not Deadwood, but there, there's so many teams that aren't of that quality to be played <clears throat> at top tier of the European competition. So, I mean, it gets fun. Best case scenario as a neutral would be Arsenal and Atleti final. Is that I possible? Do they do a redraw after this? Or is it not straight? They must still- do a redraw. They'll do the redraw. Yeah, yeah and okay. I don't think there's any way UEFA would put Atletico with Arsenal, assuming both advance, because <laughs> they want that in the final. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Lucas Hernandez very briefly. I mm-hmm. I gotta say, he's been unbelievable this season. And you know, to be honest, I think all of like that one of the bright spots. And you've had many like in the past few months because there's been a bit of a turnaround. Um. All of your fullbacks have generally been good. Like Versaico has been impressive on the right. Uh, Felipe Luis, obviously, we're, we're both huge fans of, you know, even at his age, is performing at a high level. Lucas Hernandez, versatile, can play center back, can play left back. He's been really good. Are you surprised with what he's done this season? Like, we all like were swooning over Teo in the summer. And uh, this, you know, I'm going to assume, I'm going to kind of just assume on your behalf that. You probably forgot about Teo. You're you're just loving the Lucas experience right now. Who 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 are you talking about? I have no idea who that person is. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> uh, no, but Lucas has been he's, he's been one of the revelations of the season for sure. He's finally gotten the playing time that that he has deserved for a couple of years now. Uh, his first real arrival on the scene was when he started the second leg against Barcelona in that Champions League quarterfinal a couple of years ago, and just utterly shut down Luis Suarez and utterly shut down Neymar uh, in in that performance. But he, hadn't, he hasn't played a whole lot since then. Uh, Simeone has preferred Jimenez to him, uh, or Savage, um, more gallingly. He preferred Savage to him for the longest time. But this season, Lucas, he's played mostly at left back, and he's probably going to be playing there for the rest of the season, considering Felipe's out for the year with that broken leg. But Lucas has really been one of the stories of the season. Um, He's really he's grown so much as a player uh, during the course of the season. Technically, he's gotten better. He's never going to be Felipe, you know, bombing up and down the left wing, firing in just awesome crosses. But technically, he's he's an improved passer, and just his raw qualities, his versatility, uh, his speed, which we saw at the weekend against Deportivo when he broke up a, a possible one v one that could have uh, tied the game. That was one of the best tackles of the entire season. That was incredible. I, I didn't even see him like coming into the play. Yeah. I saw Gabby chasing Borja Valle, and then I didn't even see Lucas coming to the play until the very end, and he just yeah. makes this inch-perfect tackle. He had no business win. getting there. It was, it, was, it was fantastic, yeah. It was great. And 
that kind of sums up what Lucas has, has, has meant to Atletico's defense this season. Between him and Jimenez, uh, Atletico's defense uh, is in great shape for the future. And those two have helped offset Godin aging and Savage not aging, Savage being, well, Savage. You know, you know who I kind of see in Lucas's game? Um, and I know it might not be the most obvious comparison, player comp, but he's kind of a nacho in the sense that he's not like this superstar, um, but he's so reliable and he's so versatile that he can play across the back four, and yeah. he like you can just count on him to like put in a, a, a really strong shift, play exactly what he's supposed to play, and... And most of his defensive IQ has been has been fantastic, but he can also you know join the attack and help there. But you know it's not going to be his bread and butter. But to me, it's just his intelligence off the ball, his IQ defensively. Uh, I won't lie. Like if you're asking me, like if I ever wanted someone to replace Nacho and, and when that day comes, I'd love to have a Lucas Hernandez type player in that in the in the fold. Yeah, well, you can't have him. <laughs> Careful but, what you careful what you say, Jeremy, on this yeah, podcast. Florentino week. listens to these podcasts and he's triggered right now. <laughs> yeah, he obviously does. <clears throat> and we talked about Teo last year, uh, but yeah, that's what what impresses me most about Lucas, other than just his his natural talents, and is that he he never screws up. He really doesn't make many mistakes. Like I can count on one hand the number of times he's been caught out of position, like grossly caught out of position this season. And yeah. the number of times where he has made an error that has eventually culminated in a goal, he's he's so good. He's so good. And he's only 22 years old, and he's going to continue to improve. And between Lucas and Jose Ma at the center of Atletico's defense, I'm feeling pretty good about the defense for the next five, seven years. I'm trying to figure out where to go from here. So there's so many different angles we could, we could choose from. <clears throat> the... On one hand, I'm looking at... We haven't talked about the actual derby yet this weekend, which we should. I I guess it's interesting to, to look at the title race now. Like, you know, title race used very loosely because obviously there is no title race. But, you know, two, three, and four, I'm not sure if Atletico, Real Madrid, or Valencia are too bothered where they finish. In the, Valencia certainly, like, th- this season is already, you know, successful for them. They don't care. <clears throat> And by the way, they're only one point back of Real Madrid now. I thought they would have kind of Real Madrid would have separated themselves from Valencia, but it's not that Real Madrid have played bad in 2018, but Valencia also have just kept pace, which is impressive. I thought they would kind of die down. I thought Marcelino would have just burnt them all out, and they would have all been starved to death by now. But obviously, it's had the reverse attack effect. And apart from cooling off earlier this season, they've looked good. It really looked like that in December or January that yeah. they were going to have that swoon when when they got out. <clears throat> and they lost like what was it four or five in a row yeah in yeah. Competition. yeah they're they're doing great now well they've had some depth kind of added depth too like I think their depth has been underrated like we always talk about Valencia like their starting 11 is good but they don't really have anyone behind them Santi Mina has really stepped up you know Luciano Vieto has been really good surprisingly I'm not did you expect that uh a little bit because he Marcelino is the coach who knows him best so I, I kind of expected him to turn things around when he got to Valencia. We'll see what happens with him over the summer. But, yeah, he's he's added something there. Uh, Rodrigo has been in sensational form. Condogbia has been in sensational form. They've gotten healthier. Guedes is back. So, yeah, Valencia are probably the form team in La Liga at this moment. They've been excellent. 
Am I wrong in saying this is this might be the least hyped derby in years? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it's a race between it's a battle between second and third, and Real Madrid aren't the team in second. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, I don't think that's entirely wrong. I mean, considering you know the the Spanish press is still you know talking about that goal Cristiano scored against Juventus. Uh, and you know, Atletico have just like a, a tiny corner on the cover of as you know, saying, "Hey, they're in Europa League today." Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's there's much hype about this right now, and that's I think it's not dangerous, but I think it it makes it interesting. It puts Atletico back in the underdog role that they really, really like. Well, I think I think part of it is because. Um... Obviously, we know Barca are winning the title, and and also because you know both Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid are also looking at their their cup runs, and um, you know we second and third. These are it's kind of like semantics who finishes where because neither of them will have to go through a qualifying phase this year to get to the Champions League, and so it's a matter of who wants like does also this is a this is an under the radar thing that no one's talking about. If Real Madrid keep the title race alive, um, then they they might end up giving Barca a pasillo in in that Clasico. Yeah, and I'm not saying Real Madrid should, should just just throw a game here, but the sooner that the league is over, the better for them because it, so they don't have to do that. They need to make sure the league is over before <laughs> that that third last game in Barcelona. Um, so maybe throw the game. Just saying. I mean, I would be cool with that. I, I'd totally be cool with that. It, it was whoever wins <laughs> the game is going to finish second. I don't actually think that Ram just should throw the game just in case anyone on Twitter tomorrow was going to get mad at me. But I guarantee you, you would have gotten a few very angry tweets. Do you think? Um, do you think Simeone goes with the strongest eleven? Does do you think it? Do you think? First of all, it's interesting that you guys actually have a Europa League game tonight. So, like for you, it's not even the next game to talk about right now. But yeah, it's it's weird. Do you think it that result tonight against Sporting will affect who Simeone plays in the derby? In the sense that if that tie is alive and Simeone will need to win the second leg, <clears throat> maybe he rests players in this derby. It, it mostly depends uh, on just what kind of result we're talking about. Uh, if Atletico win, uh, like the only way I see Atletico, even Simeone even considering resting players for the derby is if Sporting just come to a stadium called Wanda and smash Atletico to bits, like winning 2-0 two, like two or 3-1 or, or something like that. I don't see that happening. They do but, have the spirit of Cristiano Ronaldo who was with the team. They went, He went and visited them in Madrid. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, so now they have the... The, the exuding confidence and the magic powers and Cohen Trow probably it probably slipped something in, in his food to get him, get him a bit hyped up for this game yeah, I'm looking forward to the Cohen Trow hat trick of assists tonight very much looking forward to that now I just, Thanks, yeah. that completely reminded me I should watch it just for that reason <laughs> yeah so, but yeah. It's, it's a derby, uh, it's, a derby. It's, it's a huge game and I, I don't see Simeone resting anybody. In fact, I see his his team probably getting stronger Sunday. Uh, Shime Rosalico and Jose Jimenez are out of the team tonight. They're both recovering from injury. Uh, and it's expected that one, if not both, will be ready for Sunday. So I would expect Simeone to drop one or not both, if not both of them, into the team Sunday. 
I I don't see uh, anything happening tonight that would that would change Simeone's mindset for Sunday. Even even though it's on two days rest, it's it's the Madrid derby. If you can't get up for that, then you shouldn't be playing in for Atletico. You shouldn't be playing under Simeone. Um, I'll I'll let you know what what basically our situation is like because of that. Obviously, that huge win in Turin. <clears throat> That gives us a bit of also cushion to to really go for it in the derby. And mm-hmm. one thing I think we'll know, and I would be shocked if if anything if this didn't materialize, is Gareth Bell will start because he didn't see a single minute against Juve. Uh, he's also in form in La Liga, and so he has that going for him. I don't know. I I, I don't know exactly how the rest of the team will unfold. I, I will. I imagine that uh, we'll see the usual starting eleven bar. No Nacho because of his injury, and we might see Vallejo possibly in this game, but more chance we'll see him um, in the second leg against Turin with without Nacho there and Ramos suspended. Do you have any updates for us? And you mentioned, I think you said Versalco is coming back. Is that what you said? Is there anything else? Uh, possibly Versalco, <clears throat> possibly Jimenez, but we won't know really what's going on there until Saturday, yeah. until some point Saturday. Uh, but I can pretty much tell you what the rest of the team is going to look like and how Atletico are going to approach it. Uh, you know, it'll be Oblak, uh, Lucas, Godin, uh, Savage if Jimenez can't go. I'm going to assume Simeone is going to go with the four central midfielders, the Quattro Pivote, uh, Coque, Saul, Gabby, Tomas, and Griezmann, and Costa up top. And he's going to try to reduce the game to three or four really good chances, and whoever scores that chance first is going to win. That's what Simeone likes to do in these big games. It's what he's done in the derby before. Uh, the most recent example of this was against Barcelona when you know, the Messi free kick was all that separated Atletico and Barcelona. Um, uh, to a lesser degree, the Villarreal game that Atletico went on to lose before the international break. But I can pretty much tell you that that's how Simeone is going to approach it. And depending on if Rosalco is, is healthy or not, I think that will depend on how defensive Atletico are because if Versalco can't go probably means we'll see Juan Fran at right back or we'll see Tomas at right back because Juan Fran is going to be starting tonight and Simeone doesn't really want to start Juan Fran twice in three days considering he's just coming off an injury so it'll we'll, we'll know more in the next 24 or 48 hours uh, where Jimenez and Versalco are a lot hinges on whether one or both or if neither of those can play Let's not forget the fact that Juan Fran rose from the dead and outpaced Ronaldo in the first derby. How can I forget? How can <clears> I forget? <throat> it was the into the Calderon header for like three months. <laughs> <laughs> it was a historic moment. Um, Great moment. Because you mentioned the game against Barca and that Messi free kick, it kind of reminded me to talk about something. That was around the time where uh, Messi was scoring free kicks like they were penalties. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that long ago. He's kind of still in that mode. But... It reminded me of one quirk that Atletico have that drives me nuts. And I think the fact that Barca got away with that, it may not be so much just an Atletico team. Because to me, Jeremy, Barcelona have gone unpunished so many times this season. I still can't figure out why. And we didn't punish them either, so I can't talk. I can't say anything. Go back, whether it's Roma, whether it's Sevilla... Uh, whether it's Sociedad, whether it's you guys, I just I can't believe that nobody has punished them yet for how bad their defensive transitions, especially if Busquets isn't on the field. 
in both the games you guys played against them, you had it was like a tale of two halves in both games. So the first the first game earlier in the season at the at the Wanda, <clears throat> you outplayed them completely in the first half. Yeah. Then you took. Then you scored. Then you took the foot off the pedal. And this is also. I remember you and I talked about this in our earlier podcast. It was at the same time you guys lost to Karabag or whatever. That was it. A loss at home or was it a draw? It, it was a draw that felt like a loss. Yeah, because you were playing Karabag and you were pretending they were nineteen seventies Brazil with just like defending in, in. That's a team you should just be just killing them like and, and you just defended against them as if they were some kind of unbelievable technically gifted side and against Barca you scored you regressed you took the foot off the pedal in the semi-finals of the Champions League against us I remember going into that Calderon game that it was the last game at the Calderon the Champions League ever and I was like this atmosphere is going to be crazy we're not through at all if they score an early goal this is going to be tough you scored two early goals you were all over us, and then you stopped, and you let us breathe. It's like, I feel like you guys, in certain situations, and in most situations, you, instead of going in for the kill on a wounded animal, you were like, oh, I, we feel bad for this animal. Let's let them breathe a bit. Let's let them get back up on their feet and and, and come back at it. I, I don't know if you think that it might have changed recently, or if this is, maybe I'm off base with this assessment, Tell me, tell me, I'm I'm wrong or right? How do you feel about this? No, you're you're mostly right. It's it's a very annoying quirk to Simeone Ball uh, to Cholismo. and it saw a lot more the first half of the season. Uh, the Barcelona game was a good example. The Villarreal game at home, where Atletico were up one nil with ten minutes to go, only to concede a late equalizer. Uh, the Girona game at home back in January, same thing kind of happened. Uh, it's yeah, it's usually against the bigger teams that Simeone calls off the dogs, and inevitably the team with more talent and with more of the ball will probe, will keep probing, and they'll find the goal. Like Benzema found that goal in the second leg of the semifinal last year. Like Suarez found his goal in that first uh, Wanda game this season. It, when you reduce a game to that few chances, especially when you have a lead, it, it makes it. It makes things very dangerous. It makes things very slim. It makes the margins very tight. It leaves you no room for error. And I think the second half of this season, Atletico have been much more ruthless. It hasn't happened as often uh, because Costa has been in the team and we've seen results like the 5-2 at Sevilla, the 4-0 at Leganes, the 5-1 in Moscow against Locomotive. You've seen kind of the old Atleti, the title-winning Atleti, just ruthlessly punishing teams. Uh, and we missed that. We missed that a ton uh, when Costa wasn't there and when it was Gamero and Griezmann starting up top or ho- however many other forwards that Simeone has, has burned through since Costa went to Chelsea. Uh, but no, that, that's that's a pretty fair analysis of kind of one of the, the quirks of Cholismo is that uh, it's a very high-energy style. It's a very physically taxing style. And... In-game breaks are needed, but when you take breaks like that and you just sit back, you sag off and you invite pressure, that's what can happen, especially against teams as talented as Barcelona and Real Madrid. That's well, yeah. Well, the uh, the game in the Camp Nou almost had like the opposite uh, opposite thing happening because you 
in the first half, you kind of sat back, absorbed pressure, and then you went down a goal. In the second half, you completely blew them out of the water and pressured them and somehow didn't score. And that stuff, like, I, I just I kind of sit here and I'm like, man, if someone doesn't punish Barcelona before the season is over, we've all failed. Like, they're not... I understand they have Messi and they're very good and they deserve to be where they are, but man, it just feels like they should they should have dropped so many more points and yeah, I don't know. It all it all kind of like peaked with in Seville, but it just yeah, it, yeah. It, that was the result which pretty much confirmed to me that this team is not going to lose in La Liga this season. I, yeah. I just can't see it. <clears throat> A but, bit like last yeah. year's Madrid team, uh, they have vulnerabilities. They look flawed, but you can't touch them. When it matters, you cannot touch them. Yeah. And yeah, that vulnerability is most summed up by who their their leading scorers are in the Champions League. Messi and own goal. Yeah. Like, that sums up. This is a, a vulnerable team, but no one can really punish them. Barcelona of this season are basically Real Madrid of last season. Yeah. Possibly on steroids, as Ohm said it on Twitter. Because... <laughs> I, I didn't watch the game against Roma yesterday because I rightfully watched the the, the Manchester City massacre, um, yes. which I'm I'm happy I made that choice. But I was just keeping tabs on it, obviously, and the odd Twitter update that would like tell us goal, goal here, there, and I was like, okay, well, Barcelona are dominating. And then I went back and I checked the stats and watched some highlights. The expected goals were neck and neck. I two own goals. Um, anyway, I don't. This is kind of off off base now, but it's or off topic. I just I just hope that someone punishes them, and if not, then we've all failed. Yeah, I might it, have to wait till next season, Keon. It's interesting that like if you look at what is like the stereotypical Atletico assessment is one nil victories. You can't make this shit up. One <laughs> one nil against Depor. Yep, two uh, one nil Depor, actually. In both games, was it 1-0? Yeah. I, I mentioned this on a Colts Nero chat earlier this week. Atletico have now played all four games against Depor Malaga. Four 1-0 wins against Amazing. the two. So 1-0 against Depor. 1-0 against Copenhagen. 1-0 against Malaga. 1-0 against Valencia. Uh-huh. 1-0 against Eibar. Uh-huh. Uh, 1-0 against Alaves. 1-0 against Real Betis. What am I missing here? And then and then the other two against Depor and Malaga again. Oh, and another one against Salta. Yep. Crazy. Nine one nil of victories in La Liga this season. That's nine out of twenty victories have been one nil. Just fitting the stereotype. But to be fair, I think like early on in the season we saw all these one nils that were like, Oh yeah, that's what Simeone does, but it actually didn't look that good on the pitch. But the the, the last like few one nils have been legit one nils. Like legit one nil Atleticos. Where you're like, yeah, they played good and then they defended well. Yeah, they were a bit vulnerable against Depor last weekend. I thought Depor could have, on another day, scored an equalizer. Depor were really pretty good, especially in the first half. Uh, but uh, like the one nil against Valencia was exactly that. Atletico were clearly the better side. Uh, the one nil against um, Copenhagen was kind of the same. The one nil at Malaga, Atletico literally scored in the first minute and then just jogged for 90 minutes after that that was all that was required that day because Malaga are awful yeah well, yeah you're, you're right a lot of these in the since the turn of the year a lot of these kind of very slim tight results usually by a one nil scoreline um, most of them have been Atletico actually playing pretty well and just seeing out a result did you see Koke's comments about Isco I mean and they weren't really uh 
they weren't really like this thing that should blow up, but just the, just when he said that if he's goes not happy there or is he dance not getting him a chance there, maybe he'll work out at Leti. I mean, hey, I, I I'd be down for that. I love me some Isco Disco. Do you? I think that if that ever happened, which it won't, I think Isco <laughs> would get so frustrated playing under Simeone. Like he can't he can't go two seconds without having the ball. He would never see it. Simeone would have to change the system completely. Yeah, and like Simeone won't do that for like anybody. Like changing the system for Griezmann this season was like stressful enough for him. Yeah. Like imagine Isco came into this team and imagine him sticking Isco in central midfield, like next to Gabby or Tomas or something. Did you? I I really enjoy. I found it entertaining the fact that Simeone just refused to say anything good about Ronaldo's bicycle kick. <laughs> Yeah, he said like Francescoli's goal in that friendly against Poland like he, thirty years ago was better than that. He I looked offended. It. He looked offended that Ronaldo scored that, and he was being asked about it. The trolling was just top notch. Yeah, I, I I genuinely think he doesn't like. I think it it makes his blood boil. Anything successful Ronaldo might do on the pitch. Um, what else are we gonna talk about here? Um. What is your prediction? Uh, one nil Atletico with the Costa goal. Wow, the classic one nil. Yeah, I mean, like Madrid in this form, especially with Cristiano in this form that he's in. I, I've lost count of how many goals he's scored since January. Uh, with in, in this form, it's going to be extremely difficult. I think Madrid are pretty clear favorites, but yeah, I don't know. I have this weird feeling. I, I got this feeling that. It's going to be a, a Costa goal in the second half. It's going to be 1 0. Atletico are going to be able to hang on. Simeone is going to make three defensive subs. You're probably going to pull Costa and Griezmann both if if it is 1 0. And yeah, I'm going to be bold here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's not inconceivable. Um, I think. I also think it's going to be low scoring. I don't. I think it's going to be a marginal marginal victory for us. I'm going to say, I'm I'm going to just kind of just to stir the pot a bit, and get you riled up, which I'm sure it's not actually going to rile you up. I'm going to say Real Madrid one nil. We're going to Simeone your ass. <laughs> you know, either way wouldn't wouldn't totally shock me. Mm. Yeah, you know, but I am I'm very triggered right now, very riled up. Well, I think what <clears throat> I think what we always go through a brutal April schedule. Like April every year historically is brutal for us because like we have April, the, and every April you go through it unbeaten. Like last year you had Bayern and Atletico and you had a couple other really tough games and then this year Juve Atletico on either side of Juve. You've already thrashed Juve once. Yeah. Well, and it's to me it's just a sign of greatness and and yeah. i'm not i'm not trying to break here because if if this was real madrid of like 2003 4 until 2010 no chance they they do stuff like this cuz they were terrible but this version of real madrid has been able to pass those tests but it's interesting like and in between this april schedule always every every april it seems that there's clasicos in between all these champions league games or derbies and then you're like, oh my god, we have we also have to deal with this in between like two legs of a really big season defining moment. Um, 
and it's you go back since last year it's just non-stop like no breathing room it's Bayern it's Atleti Barca in between uh PSG this year then then Juve and then the derby in between so I think but I think what helps Jeremy the fact that you know plays into our favor for this particular derby is the fact that the, this like this is basically over like we don't have to do much in the second like we can kind of cruise control and cruise control for us means just like just nick a goal or two you know let let Juve push up let Marcelo and Ronaldo punish them on the counter or whatever um, but I think because we have that comfort, we can probably actually focus on this game and get a get a result. Yeah, that three nil in in Italy was probably one of the worst signs you could you could uh, you know you could get for Atletico ahead of Sunday because now there's there's no pressure next week, so you know Real Madrid can just throw everything at, at the at the wall. Uh, for Atletico, you know, hopefully Atletico are in a similar situation, but. Probably not again against a sporting team that you know, like I've said, are are pretty good and will 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 challenge Atletico on the counterattack. If Atletico are as comfortable as Real Madrid, then, then that makes it kind of a wash. But chances are that they won't be. It'll be a, a tighter game, and Madrid also have the extra rest because they played on Tuesday and Atletico play Thursday. I love the Europa League, Keon. I love it <laughs> so much. Um, if you win this game. Um, you'll only be six points behind Barca with the game in hand. Just saying. And then Barca has to play Valencia. They have to go to Balaidos, which is a bogey stadium for them. They have to throw in Copa del Rey final against Sevilla, which they'll play their strongest them. They have a Clásico. They have to play Villarreal. They have to play Sociedad again. Just saying. I, I, one I can dream. I don't, one can dream, absolutely, but... I don't see it. I don't see them losing. They haven't lost yet. Yeah. I know. I don't see a collapse coming. At least not this year. No, no, no. It's not going to happen. <laughs> if there was a, if there was a one percent chance that this could happen, I would gladly give you three points. We just we, we just wouldn't show up. We'll take the three nil forfeit. Great. Yeah, but like, that's not the situation. You guys are not going to catch up, so it doesn't matter. Anything to plug, Jeremy? Before I let you go. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for the the Managing Madrid podcast of Atletico podcasts, uh, check out Colt Chinero Chat. It's my show. Uh, we do it uh, once a week, sometimes twice, if it's if we have enough to talk about. Uh, so every Monday, at the very least, uh, check out Colt Chinero Chat. It's on iTunes. It's on your favorite podcasting platform. We also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash Colt Chinero Chat. You can become a Colt Chinero Chat amigo for as little as a dollar a month. Some pretty cool benefits there. And other than that, just writing it into the Calderon and on the Twitter at JB Barron. You should all go and subscribe to that podcast because it's also not only is a great insight on our rivals, but it's also just acts as a really good scouting report for, for Real Madrid matches and knowing what, you know, how you guys are doing, how your opponents are doing. And that that is good for us to know about, too. So go go check that out, please. Go subscribe to that podcast. And uh, and follow Jeremy on Twitter. Jeremy Barron, always a pleasure. I feel like we should do this more often, even if there's not a derby looming, either here or Chulos Tacticas or into the Calderon or Culture Nero Chat, whatever. Just let's let's stay in touch, buddy. Absolutely, I'd be honored. <clears throat> yes. Thanks a lot, and uh, let's uh, so let's stay in touch. And good luck this weekend, but not really. Yeah, same to you. Best of luck, and I hope you lose four 0 
Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Who can make my electricity and natural gas work smarter? Where can I find a company that's easy to do business with, who knows the market best and has options to fit my needs? For millions of homes and businesses, there is one answer, Constellation. Decades of market intelligence and proven solutions from a trusted energy leader. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com energy. Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Constellation can answer all of them with energy solutions that fit your needs. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com energy.